Cleveland! This is for you! And this episode is for Cleveland. It's sports-centric, but it's coming off the heels of a trip that I just took to Cleveland, Ohio, where I went to see the Jets and Browns game and the Guardians game the next day. Didn't slip up and say Indians one time, except for there. Doesn't count. I'm your host, Mike Zago. Welcome back to The Link. Solo episode coming at you. I have been traveling all week, but we get episodes out every single Monday. We haven't missed a single time 84 in a row. I'm going for Cal Ripken. I see you, Cal. He's in my sights. Top Gun style. Nail that shot. You guys know what I'm talking about. If you didn't see Top Gun yet, what are you doing? So as you know, I'm big on sports. I don't do too many sports episodes on this podcast because I have the Mike the Mush channel on YouTube. You'll hear the ad later. But every once in a while, I got to get my opinions out. And I have done a lot of love letter episodes. So I didn't want to name this hate letter because it comes from a good place in all the things I saw in Ohio this week. But it's definitely going to be a strongly worded letter, even if it comes from a good place. Because I can't help but feel like the NFL and the MLB, mostly the NFL, will do them separately because I don't think the MLB deserves the same amount of heat, just different. It's like if you turn your oven up to high, that's where we're at for the NFL. And if you turn it on to like six, that's where we're at with the MLB. And if you want to do the NBA, we're simmering, baby. And maybe I'm just a jaded New Yorker who looks at sports through the lens of this city that is so intense and wrapped up in their teams and... I don't know, mean isn't the right word. I try to tell people, every time I travel, I'm like, New Yorkers aren't mean. They just want to get things done quickly, and they get frustrated if you're holding them up. New Yorkers generally will help you move faster, because they're in a rush. Now, they might call you an asshole on the way, but they will help, so that's cool. But in the Midwest, whew, it's a different animal. And it really opened my eyes to the things that these sports leagues could do to embrace these cities that embrace them constantly. I have never seen a fan base or just a city be as positive and as excited and as non-confrontational as Cleveland just was to me, a Jets fan who is obviously making a ton of jokes at their expense, wearing my Jets jersey all over the streets, rubbing it in when the Jets come back and beat them, playfully, but still. And they were so positive the whole time. I have examples, we'll get into it in a second. On the baseball side, same kind of deal, just excited about their team, a lot of camaraderie, but baseball in general has not found a way to turn that love into national success, or even to fill the seats in certain stadiums in general. And it really makes me wonder, if you have this kind of group of fans who have these attitudes... How do you not do a better job of capitalizing on it? And if you made those amazing fans the focus of your entire marketing strategy, you would elongate your league's success and build goodwill in more of your fan base than exists right now. Instead, they're mostly just focused on the short-term dollar bills, and I get it because there's so many of them. Stack those puppies up, but it feels short-sighted. We'll get into why. Also, if you ever take a really short flight, and you get in one of those tiny planes, whew, sitting in the last row of those planes, you're getting whipped around. Again, I'm basically in Top Gun. I'm not Maverick, even if I want to be, which everyone wants to be. I might be Iceman because if I can't talk anymore, a lot of people would be upset. But more than likely, I'm Bob. And again, if you didn't see Top Gun Maverick, I just, I, I mean, figure it out. Second best movie of the year. Come on. And if you don't know my favorite movie of the year by now, you haven't been listening to enough of the episodes, which you can find at the link underscore podcast. Tons of content, behind the scenes stuff, opinions that I forget to throw into the episode, clips, laughs, tears, sometimes at the same time. You laugh till you cry. You cry till you 
eat enough snacks to suppress your feelings. You go for a walk in nature to suppress some of those calories you put in. By the way, the internet is apparently calling normal walks hot girl walks now? I have never felt older and more out of touch than just now saying the term hot girl walk. But don't tell me that I don't look like a hot girl when I'm walking around town. If my hair would just grow down and not out like an afro, I could pull off a good hot girl walk. But, you know, the fro exists. Could Bob Ross have had a hot girl walk? Oh, probably. I'm not in the business of telling Bob things he can't do. Second Bob reference of the intro. That means it's time to get to the episode. Let's talk football. I'll probably make fun of Roger Goodell a lot, have a lot to say about the NFL and how they're dropping the ball, even though they make millions and millions and millions of dollars. It's kind of a thing on this podcast now that generating revenue does not mean you are fully tapped into all the success that you can have in my eyes. It's the same thing we talk about with some of the Marvel movies that stink but make a billion dollars. We talked about it with Disney last week. Go back and listen to that episode at the link underscore podcast. Follow it on Twitter and Instagram. Write a review on Apple or Spotify or anywhere else. Shout it from the rooftops. Don't go too close to the edge unless there is a strong railing. Or if the sunset's really nice up there and you want to see it, you, t- you take a risk. Take a Polaroid. Put it in the comments at the link underscore podcast. All right, hit the music. It's hard to stop myself when there's no other person here. I just get going, baby. Wind me up like the Energizer Bunny. I got to stop making analogies. Hit the music. You've probably heard me make fun of Roger Goodell because I think the NFL is a bad league. I really do enjoy the sport of football, but the NFL constantly drops the ball in things that I think they can do to build long-term goodwill with the fan base and create additional generations of fans, which I wonder if they'll exist as much as we think they will. Kids have a lot of other stuff to do. Are they going to sit still and watch football all day on Sundays like we do? I'm not 100% sure. And is the league going to survive with all the concussion issues and legal troubles that they go through and just super evident and apparent greed? which all come to mind when I think of the NFL instead of all of the cool things that the fans and some of these hometowns for these teams have to offer. I wake up in Cleveland on Sunday morning. The game's at 1 o'clock. I put on my Joe Namath jersey because nobody has a Jets jersey of a current player that they're willing to wear in public. I walk out onto the streets of downtown Cleveland. I'm walking from my hotel down towards the water where the stadium is. It's beautiful, by the way. Cleveland, honestly... It's not hopping like New York City or anything, but it's a pretty underrated city. It has a good homey vibe to it. And the people in the Midwest are really, I mean, nice is just such a boring vanilla word at this point, but they really go out of their way to show how nice they are. And there is no easier way to notice it than at a football game where if you go to New York or Philly or Texas, you're not getting that same overwhelmingly nice, forgiving attitude. So I'm walking down the street in my jersey, headphones on, bopping to, I want to say Benny and the Jets for the joke, but that is one of my least favorite Elton John songs, believe it or not. Love Elton John, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, incredible album, but I'm more of a honky cat guy. The point is, I'm playing, what, Victory by Biggie? even though it's P. Diddy and Busta Rhymes and all those people. But there's some kind of pump-up stuff in my ears, right? And I'm barely paying attention to what I'm looking at because I assume walking down the streets in a jet jersey on a big Cleveland Browns day, I'm going to get heckled. And I'm okay with it. I like a little heckle every now and then. You want to heckle me? At the link underscore podcast. Go ahead. I'm game. I'll go back and forth. We have fun with it. I don't take it personally. But instead, 
two different people on my walk to the downtown area around the stadium, which, by the way, is great. They close off the streets. There's a lot of bars. There is an unbelievable amount of people all decked out in Cleveland Browns gear. They love their teams over there in Ohio. Midwest in general, I'm telling you, they love it. The combination of loving sports and being nice is a cool thing. And you don't see it enough, even though those two things sound simple. So two different people on my way down there, it's a 10-minute walk, unprompted pointed to me and said, hey, Namath, made me feel really cool, also made me feel like a drunk. Joe Namath, one of very few people that can hit on a woman live on camera, on air, during a football game, completely blackout wasted, try to kiss her, and people will still like him. How did he get that pass? Slipped right through the cracks of cancel culture, which may or may not exist, and Joe Namath is the proof. They point to me and go, hey, Namath, welcome to Cleveland. We're happy to have you. And I was like, am I being pranked? If I was in New York, I'd get eggs thrown at me if I were wearing a road team's jersey and making fun of the home fans. But this is before I even make fun of them. Unprompted. Just on the streets. Happy to have you here. And later on, me and a couple of the people I went with were wondering, like, I wonder if Cleveland is just so happy to have tourists there, because it's obviously not a huge tourist attraction, that they want to just keep them. While in New York, there's so many tourists that are in the way looking up at skyscrapers while you're trying to go, 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 get somewhere in five minutes in the city, which is impossible, that you're like, get out of the way. Stop being a tourist. Cleveland is like, wow, we have a tourist? Let me show you around. Especially a tourist tourist like me. Not a good joke, but we keep it in just to show that I'm not perfect. I'm mostly always there. But you can imagine all the bad jokes I cut out of this podcast. There's zero. That was the only one, and I left it in. I just thought it was such... A jarring and interesting mentality for someone from the city who loves football, who was in a Browns jersey and was also going to the game to reach out to their opponent and just collectively recognize how much they love the sport, how fun it is that people are coming to their city to see them in action, to see the stadium, to see these two teams get after it. And look, maybe it's because both teams have stunk for a long time. There's no bitter rivalry here. But it didn't feel that way to me. It felt just generally going out of their way just to be nice for the sake of being nice because that's what people should do. And in sports, that gets buried. And even when we went into the stadium, I'm cracking jokes constantly at Browns fans' expense, and they're laughing. A, because I'm hilarious. And B, because the Midwest is just full of nice people. Even when the Jets come all the way back, they were down by... Seven with two minutes left. The Browns score a touchdown. The game is basically over. They were 99.9% to win on ESPN.com. People are leaving the stadium. I'm poking fun of them. Don't leave yet. The Browns could blow it. They missed the extra point. The Jets score the quickest touchdown of all time. Joe Flacco turns back the clock to 2009. I won't get deep into the sports stuff, but it's relevant. The Jets were then covering the spread, which some people that I was with were happy about. So we were making fun of Browns fans for that. But they're still winning. They're all having fun. Jets recover an onside kick. They come all the way back. They win the football game. Browns are so upset. And this is where in so many cities that I'm familiar with, at least in the Northeast, there would be serious venom being spit back and forth, fights in the stands. And that's probably just passion for their own team too. But that was not the case when I was out in Cleveland. They were upset with their own team, but they weren't blaming me. They were actually laughing at some of the things I was saying, which I thought, look, I mean, if I say, hey, Jacoby Brissett, your mother's a terrible cook, it's, it's pretty tame. And I'm sure his mother is a fantastic cook. But that would probably get a beer thrown at you in other places. They would laugh. They would give me a fist bump. They would say good game. It was like sportsmanship personified. 
Anyway, the reason I tell all of these little anecdotes is because I feel as though the NFL could easily steer into these goodwill kind of things, and they just don't really do that. We should be seeing much more cool, heartwarming, Midwest attitude kind of stuff, at least in commercials or something, to promote the NFL. Because there is so much garbage that happens in this league. Constant arrests. I don't have to list them all. A ton of domestic abusers. DUIs. I mean, you name it. That doesn't even get into the violence of the sport, the concussions, the lack of health care for the players. So A, at the very least, even if you're being selfish, Roger Goodell, you could build some goodwill by sweeping some of that stuff under the rug. Now, I'll get to why I don't think they need to do that, but this is just step one. Just start accentuating the cool fans that exist around the world. And they're there. And I don't see it enough. And you wouldn't really know this if you were a New Yorker like me who had never seen a game in the Midwest. And I'm sure there's more than the Midwest that are nice people, but the point remains. So that's a start, right? Just promote the cool things that are already there and this goodwill that you actually don't deserve at all, but the fans are giving you anyway. Find a way to show everyone our sport is so cool that we cultivate fans that are the best. Why don't I see that more? Now, step two is much bigger, and it's a bigger ask, but you know what? Have a conscience. These football teams and the league itself make extraordinary amount of money. The tickets that we bought were good seats. They cost a lot. And every game in pretty much every stadium is sold out pretty much every week. And guess what the NFL does? Because of supply and demand, they raise the ticket prices all the time. I'm not going to get into the economy of it. You want to raise prices, fine. But what's happening with that money? The players are making a ton, fine. We don't need to raise their salaries that much. Just do it in accordance with how much the cap goes up, etc. But where is all that extra money going? Probably into the pockets of owners and commissioners. Instead, you could do one of two things. You could lower the prices of tickets, take a hit to your own personal salary, of which you have plenty, Look, they'll never do this, but still, the point remains. You could do that and cultivate more goodwill by saying, we're giving back to the fans that appreciate us so much. And run promos every single game, take a 30-second spot that the NFL can buy, and do testimonials on how grateful people are that their tickets went down 25% in price, that they've been a longtime Cleveland Browns fan that they're excited to be at the game, they could even be hugging their opponent, whatever. Mushy, feel-good stuff, but it works. It would make people feel better about the league and frankly make them forget about all the bullshit that goes on inside of this league with the players and the staffs and the Deshaun Watson inappropriate sexual behavior with masseuses and, and all the stuff. They could hide behind actual good things. And you know what? That's better than not doing the good things at all. So that's one thing they could do. If they didn't want to lower ticket prices, which they're not going to do, right? They are negotiating a brand new TV deal next year. The TV contract with DirecTV, which is currently the only place you can go to get every single NFL game on television, is running out. Next year, they will negotiate a new deal, which will undoubtedly include streaming rights on a new provider. It will be for billions of dollars. They will be flush with cash. The salary cap will go up. Players will make more. Owners will make more. They will probably still raise ticket prices. There's going to be a lot of money around. If the league wanted to, they could do an entire gigantic marketing campaign. Now, don't forget, 
the goal of every marketing campaign is to actually increase viewership and retention onto the sport. I'm not saying do this for their health. I think this will benefit them. They could do an entire marketing campaign on how they were taking some of this new money from the TV deal. Hell, they could pitch this to the Amazons or Disneys of the world or whoever wins that TV contract bidding war or streaming contract bidding war. It's going to be the same thing and say, hey, this contract is going to be worth 500 million more than we originally thought. But we are going to pitch to our fans who love us, by the way and who were running commercials about how nice they are and welcoming they are and how amazing it can be when two sports fans from different elks, elks, ilks, is it like the animal? Whatever, when they come together and it isn't cutthroat, it's just about the love of the sport, they can pitch this to their partner and say, we are going to use this money to create new policies around domestic violence to give additional healthcare benefits to the players after their careers to offset these concussion issues that are happening, to go to additional R&D and medical research on why the concussions are happening in general and what they can do to fix them, to create additional programs for players and staff who do get in trouble with the law to actually care about rehabilitating them instead of just looking the other way, giving a two-game suspension and then throwing them back out on the field because they score touchdowns and touchdowns mean money. They can use this money for good, and the money's going to be there. I'm not asking too much here. Before I ask them to take money out of their pocket by lowering tickets, I know that's not going to happen. It would still work, by the way, I think, because it would move people. But when you're influxing cash into this league that is already a billion upon billion upon billion dollar enterprise, Roger Goodell and the league are so fucking short-sighted in, well, this isn't going to make us additional money, so I can't do this. And yeah, it's his job to put money in the owner's pockets. But long term, think long term. Are you not concerned about the league in general? I know ratings are up and money is up, but parents aren't going to let their kids play this sport if this shit continues the way it is. And in 20 years, we're going to figure that out. They better be concerned about that because the talent level is going to go down. The crop of kids playing football is way lower than it ever was. And if you pander to these parents... It's not even pandering. You're literally showing the parents in my scenario, hey, we're trying to improve this thing so that your kid can still play, love, live, breathe football. The same way it's been for a hundred years and the same way it'll be for a hundred more. For a hundred years, Rick and Morty some things. And I've pointed this kind of stuff out for politics and for entertainers and for sports leagues now. It is not mutually exclusive as to whether doing good things makes money or not. Doing the good things should bring in more fans, which in turn will keep your money flowing. You don't have to be greedy to be greedy. Does that make sense? And all this stuff kind of just hit me because it's a magical thing to have a fan that will come up to an opposing visiting goofball in green and express how happy they are to have them there. And what the hell has the NFL done for any of us? Us meaning the fans and sometimes even the players themselves, what have they done to earn this love? Almost nothing. They almost spit in your face constantly. Someone beats their wife, two games, get back out there in two weeks. Someone gets a concussion, and then another, and then another. And then two weeks later, they're back on the field. And you know what happens to that person later in their career? They don't have health care. They get CTE and it's a murder-suicide. And we wonder what happened. But the league doesn't pay for their care. And then they release some kind of eulogy of how sad they are. Well, when you have billions upon billions of dollars, maybe you should fix it. 
And when your fans are already loving you, maybe you should repay them for showing the kind of loyalty that you have not deserved this entire time, and yet you get it anyway. I suggest some people travel to the Midwest, go see a football game, and see what I mean. Because it'll open your eyes if you're a fan of this league, which so many people are. We take up our entire Sundays and Thursday nights and Monday nights and then fantasy during the week. I spend two hours writing up power rankings with tons of jokes in them. They're hilarious for my fantasy football league because we all love the sport so much. And yet Roger Goodell sits back and wonders how much money can I make on each and every decision that you are making thanks to your love of our sport. They don't sit back and think, well, what can we do to repay you for your love? And again, I'm literally not expecting them to take money out of their own pocket in the long term. I think this investment that they can make in some of the real issues that people have with their league will bring good vibes, more fans, more attendance, more willingness to pay for the product, more attention. It will pay them back in spades and you have this opportunity with a new TV deal that's coming. I really implore them to use this time to your advantage. We don't know if or when this league will get another huge spike of cash like it's going to next year. Because if some of the negative things keep up, I have to imagine it matters eventually. And like I said, when kids aren't growing up playing football because their parents won't let them, because they're scared of what this league represents, the proof is going to show downstream. And the league can do something about it right now. Tap into the love that these fans showed me. Embrace it, show it off, and repay it. Because it's a rare thing, and it feels like they don't give a shit. So give a shit. That's not too much to ask. And by the way, I mean, I know I had a cool ending there and I should have stopped it and then hit the ad break, but we'll get there in a second. Cleveland and a lot of other cities have a huge homeless problem. And you know who could help that? An industry that generates billions and billions of dollars in revenue. Pledge $100 million to each city that has rallied around your sport forever. 30 teams, $3 billion. I know these are big numbers, but that's numbers that they have. If you dedicated that kind of money to improving the areas around the stadiums and in these cities that love your sport so much, you know how much goodwill that would create with the fans? And again, if you want to be selfish about it, you could even increase ticket prices subtly if the fans knew that you were at least taking care of them in return. Tit for tat, give to get, and you've gotten a lot of love over the years. Find a way to earn it. Because what you're doing right now is taking all the love and just spitting in the other direction and knowing that you have a guaranteed juggernaut moneymaker and you don't have to do shit in order for the fans to like you. And I refuse to believe that we live in a world where that will last forever. Prove that you're deserving. And fire Roger Goodell. Get someone in there who will prove it. Because he has shown he doesn't give a fuck. And it's not too much to ask someone to give a fuck. Especially when you're making tens of billions of dollars. I'm not going to cry over you spending a little bit to create some goodwill for the fans. Also, Cleveland rocks Drew Carey. I know, you want to get back to the episode, it's one of the best ones yet, and I agree with you, let's get you back there. But, if you like sports, I have a YouTube channel, Mike the Mush. We took a small break over the summer, there was a lot of content for about a year before that. We're coming back for football season, we're going to post some fantasy stuff every week, some big targets to go for, and most importantly, our best gambling picks for the week. I'll try to do some short videos every week. 
leading into the next week of football. When basketball comes back, I'm sure we'll do a lot of that. There's a lot to talk about, but I've been picking winners, and I need to give them to you. We're leaving cash on the table, people. It's football Sunday and football Thursday and football Monday, and I mean, it's going to be every day eventually, right? So we got to keep up somehow. If you like the nonsense on the link, I make about 10% more sense on Mike the Mush, but I'll tell you what we make a lot more of, and that's dollars. Does that make sense? I don't know. Run it anyway. Picks have been hot all year. Mike the Mush on YouTube. Subscribe, hit the like, do the thing, share it, tell your friends, tell your mom. We'll see you there. Now, I also went to a Guardians game. This part of the letter to the leagues doesn't have nearly as much venom, but it is still relevant because I don't understand how these commissioners drop the ball so badly. Baseball has been declining in popularity for many years now. Some would say since the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa steroid home run chase. And I feel like the league hasn't done a single thing to address the issues. I went to a Guardians versus Twins game, which, yeah, it isn't the two sexiest names in the world, but they're in a heated playoff race in the same division as one another, and the stands were mostly empty. So for one, I couldn't really figure out why that was the case. But the one thing I always do land on is that when baseball was at its most popular, before the NBA took it over as the second most popular league, there were national storylines going on. And currently, baseball has reverted itself back to 50 years ago where it was purely just a regional sport to keep track of the team that is in your city, which is fine and should be the main driving force behind the foundation of the league. But when something becomes popular enough, you need to elevate it not only to a national scale, but on a global scale. And somehow, the MLB has more of a global presence than a national one. How does that work? There are plenty of Asian players, Latin American players, and an overall melting pot of cultures that you do see some stuff when a prominent Asian pitcher has a huge season. You see clips of fans from their country watching the MLB games or coming here to watch them. But what you don't see is a national recognition of some of the best players in the league. Mike Trout has been one of the best baseball players in the world for a decade. If that guy walked into a deli on Long Island, I don't know what percentage of people would even recognize his face. 20? I mean, that's ridiculous. It's a made-up number, but it's not that high. If LeBron James walked into a deli on Long Island, he would need security he would be mobbed so bad. Now, sometimes I understand why football players or hockey players don't have the facial recognition that an NBA player does. Because you're wearing a helmet, it's harder to know what they look like, etc. Baseball? You should be seeing that face everywhere. But it doesn't happen. Why is that? The league doesn't focus on a national footprint. Aaron Judge for the Yankees is breaking home run records. 60-plus homers this year. It's a big story in New York. But if I go to other cities, unless you're already a diehard baseball fan, it's not on the radar of normal people. When Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were in that summer home run chase, it was everywhere. You couldn't avoid it. Every storefront was talking about it across the country. It was in major newspapers. It was everything. They dare to call baseball America's pastime? They only seem to care about the team that is in the 50-mile vicinity of them. We're talking about the NFL... And the NBA, by the way, who is going to have another huge cap spike when their new TV deal goes into place. And all of a sudden, players are going to be making $80 million a season, and you're going to be wondering why you were complaining about the guy that makes $40 million a season. That's going to happen. And the NFL, we just went over it. They're going to make billions of dollars on their TV deal. How come I don't hear 
about the MLB negotiating this massive, massive national television deal. And the only national games I see are on Apple TV or sometimes on Amazon or one game a week on ESPN on Sunday Night Baseball, which generally goes against the NFL anyway and gets slaughtered. It's like they're just content with being regional. I feel the same way about hockey, kind of. But the MLB is more egregious to me because they used to be one of the top dogs, and now I just feel like they're not. And some of that, not all of it, but some of it is because they hearken back to these fans that are so stuck in the past and are baseball purists, right? And they spun this. I don't know if the league did it or the public has done it, but baseball purists, to me, is kind of the problem. It's kind of some old man on the porch stuff. You like the way the game is played. I get it. Everyone is like this. You hear me complain about Disney in last week's episode because I like the cartoons from 20 years ago better. It's fine to a certain extent, but when you're not progressing the game enough to capture the youth, same thing I just said about the NFL with young people not playing, I don't think young people are watching baseball unless you have a parent or a sibling or an older figure in your life who really loves it and passes it down to you. It's not being captured on that level for the younger generation. And the people who are listening to this and saying, well, the MLB is still popular, maybe, but even that is declining. And in 20 years, when the next generation grows up, I really, really worry about where the sport is going to be. So when I go to this popular game in Cleveland, which is a cool sports city, as I've pointed out, and nobody is there, despite the team being pretty good, having some stars on it, having a good history of being a solid team lately. They went to the World Series not that long ago. And no one cares? And combine that with the inability to generate national attention on a sport that you call the national sport and the addiction to catering to these old fans, of which sometimes I am one, but that's not the point, who refuse to move the sport forward. The pace of play thing is massive. So many people are against the pitch clock for pitchers. And I'm not saying that that's going to fix the pace of the game. But I am saying that so many people think it's so wildly slow and a three and a half hour game is not conducive to the attention spans that people have these days. So when they try to implement a pitch clock to try to shave 15 minutes off the game, keep things moving a little bit faster, keep action happening so that younger fans are actually intrigued, whether that's true or not, let them try. Stop standing in the way. Same thing with banning the shift. Sometimes you'll see a bunch of defenders in baseball on one side of the field because they know that hitters are generally going to hit it that direction. And the baseball purists out there are like, well, learn to hit it the other way. It's the strategy of the game. Fine. But the truth is people aren't tuning in. Casual fans who you need to drive up the revenue and attention on your sport are not tuning in to watch your $30 million a year power hitter smash a ball 100 miles an hour into a spot that should be landing on grass and be a hit, which, by the way, people watch the sport for hits. Instead, there's just a player there now, which isn't a normal position, and it's an out. And everyone's like, well, that's much more boring. So fix it. It's not going to ruin the integrity of the game. The game will be fine. The NBA implemented illegal defense to stop zone defenses from being played so that huge guys can't just stand in front of the basket if they're not actually defending someone personally. They enacted that rule to increase the offensive output of the sport. And you know what happened? It created a ton more highlights. It created so many more cool dunks. And in the process, since people have to run to defend the rim, it created more three-point shots around the perimeter because people have to scramble to defend their guys 
and it leaves somebody open. So in turn, it created the Steph Curry's of the world. And you know what he did for the sport? Everything. Highlights galore. Personal accomplishments. Someone who young fans can identify with and love and follow. And maybe it means that some fans will be different than you were when you grew up. You might not be a diehard fan of a team anymore. You might just follow the players because they're personable on a national level. Yeah, it's different, but it doesn't make it worse. In baseball, I don't know anyone who is growing up a fan of a specific player and following that player to the depths and watching their highlights every single night to the point where they're changing the sport. I mean, maybe if you're a real diehard, but casual fans aren't doing that. Casual fans still definitely know who Steph Curry is. And I have to imagine that it's the attempt at marketing from the league that is the problem here. It can't just be the sport itself. And not that rule changes should be the number one way to market a sport, but they definitely help. Imagine three-point shots didn't exist in the NBA. Or imagine you go back 20 years in football and they weren't penalizing huge hits on quarterbacks anymore. You know why they penalize those? Because the quarterbacks are getting hurt and the quarterbacks are the people that fans tune in to watch because they make huge plays, which in turn create social media highlights, generate hype around the sport, and inevitably get people to watch, which increases the ad revenue that the league will make. So yeah, sometimes you do have to make rule changes as a marketing tool. Get over it. Stop standing in the way of things that could potentially make the league better, especially when it's not going to make the league worse. The National League added a DH this year, and so many old school fans were like, this is ridiculous, pitchers should be able to hit, and I'm sitting here like, nobody, nobody, nobody watches a sport to watch a pitcher hit when they can't actually do it. Wouldn't you rather have a better hitter in there who can generate hype during the game? It's little stuff like this that can really improve the national opinion of the sport and move the needle. My group chat with nine guys, the Sausage Kings of Chicago, episode 21, I believe they were all on. We're going to have them back sometime soon. We constantly have the debate on whether robot umpires would be good for the sport. I am strongly for because I think A, it would make it more accurate and B, it would speed the game up a little bit. And if you can do three things that shave off even five minutes of a baseball game, these little things add up. I find myself enjoying the pace of a basketball game that's two and a half hours better than a football game that's three and a half hours or a baseball game that's three and a half hours. If you can get closer to that two and a half hours, I think you're going to have more success. And if it means I need to sacrifice the way things used to be, which aren't much of a sacrifice in the grand scheme of things, to get the next generation to love this sport, I think you should do it. And I think you should do it yesterday. So another commissioner in Rob Manfred, who came in and said that he was going to do a lot of these things and has just been really slow to do them, that I'm just disappointed in. And in the meantime, they must know that their viewership and their revenue is going down. Or at least their national cultural relevance is going down relative to other sports. I would venture to say that like UFC is more popular than baseball on a weekend to weekend basis at this point. If you had said that 30 years ago, it would have been a joke. So like I said, it's not as sinister as the NFL piece is, but it's still a strongly worded letter. Because you gotta try some stuff. There are fans, again, that love this sport. And they will continue to be loyal to you. But you gotta show something in return. You gotta show that your singular focus, for better or worse, is to make the sport better for the next generation. And to keep the sport in a state that we can be proud of. And you don't do that by catering to 80-year-old fans or 30-year-old fans that act like they're 80 that refuse to change with the times. 
you got to be forward thinking. So it's the same thing for both leagues, whether it means pouring money into giving back to the fans in the NFL or whether it means making rule changes in the MLB that'll be a little scary. They're both a little scary. But if it's forward looking and thinking and inspiring goodwill and they be honest in press conferences from the commissioner that says, listen, we love our fans and we want to gain more of them back. And that's what we're attempting to do here. Be honest, explain it, and just genuinely at least pretend to be doing things for good reasons. Because then if it fails, you can roll back a rule change and you can explain, hey, we tried something here. You don't have to panic and say you're concerned about the state of the sport. But under the hood, you should be concerned and you should be doing something about it. Because if I go to a city that I just described as being as amazing as they are in their fan bases and their enthusiasm for their teams, and you can't even sell a quarter of those tickets for a game that's massively important for a sport that some people considered the biggest one in the country a couple decades ago, I mean, I think you should be worried and you should be doing something about it. Do everything you can to make baseball a more national sport with players that fans can rally around, with changes that the younger generation can get into, and don't be too tied to the past. Because when those old fans die out, I'm scared for what's going to be left. I really do love sports. I wouldn't make all these proclamations about what the leagues should do if I didn't believe they had an opportunity to improve. All the time, I marvel at some of the most incredible and emotional moments that come out of sports. Recently, Serena Williams at the U.S. Open, her last hurrah, which now she might go back on and pull a Tom Brady, which I hate, but whatever. When the Olympics come around and people rally all the way behind their country. When it's the Super Bowl and people are talking about what color Gatorade is going to be dumped on the winning coach and betting on the coin toss. When a golf tournament goes down to a big playoff and everyone cares and is on the edge of their seat for the winning putt. When there's a shootout in a World Cup game and people who don't watch soccer at all are so enthralled by it. When March Madness comes around, people are filling in brackets based on the color of the jerseys. They don't even care what happens in the games. And then all of a sudden they watch a game and they go, this is the best thing ever. And there's a montage about one shining moment and the winning team going to Disneyland. When Becky Hammond declines coaching opportunities in the NBA to go coach the WNBA and then wins the title. When Polish discus thrower Piotr Malachowski wins a silver medal in Rio and immediately puts it up for auction to help fund cancer treatments for a three-year-old boy. When a high school football manager with Down syndrome scores a touchdown for the team. When someone goes through a life-threatening, traumatic experience, then comes back and the team and the fans rally so hard around them when they're introduced. When curling becomes popular and everyone is interested in it. When you pull for the underdog and they come through, there's just nothing like it. I know it's just a game, but it invokes some kind of emotion that I want to be here forever and I worry about the next generation not being able to feel it quite as much as we do. I hope the leagues realize the gravity of these situations that are created, not because of the choices that they make, but because people just like the sport and will go with the flow of whatever the league is going to do. And that kind of power is really important to wield properly. Watch any Nike commercial and you'll feel good about sports. The leagues themselves should be following that same suit. Anyway, you get it by now. Secret code word is going to be brownies because all the chants in the stands at the Browns game involved the word brownies and it made me starving. So post brownies at the link underscore podcast so I know you listened all the way through the end of this rant 
post a picture of your brownies. If you got a good recipe, let us in on the secrets. Some people put nuts in them, a little wild. As we know, I'm a dark chocolate guy. You'll get me if you lean towards that. If you prefer blondies, let us know. If you're more into redheads, then, I don't know, there's probably a velvet cake brownie that you could figure out. But enough with the cream cheese icing. You know how I feel about white and creamy stuff if you listen to all the food episodes. Let red velvet be red velvet. And that is how you end an episode. We'll see you next week. Oh, by the way, almost got through an entire sports episode without mentioning Shaq. But I can't do that. Big Fella always deserves a mention. And since I didn't recommend anything in the outro here, I do recommend gambling on a sports game. It will make you care so much. Don't break the bank, but it's a really fun activity. What a good influence I am. Because I got a whole YouTube channel, Mike the Mush Sports, which will help you out with which picks to make to put a little cash in your pocket. Money, please. Now hit the whole jingle before I give away too many of my good ideas.